Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hump Day edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I'm your Hump Day host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co host, Scott Reichel, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. And, Scotty, we've got a chock-full show today, man. We're going to be talking... A little baseball, of course, because it's, you know, we do that for like, what, 18 months straight, the baseball season last? Feels that way. But then we're going to be capping a college football game. That's exciting. We're going to be talking about NFL cutdown day. Of course, awarding the golden feedback to donkey of the day. And a little bit later, we will have our bet the farm play. We've been collecting farms, Scott. We're going to have to, we're going to have to hit the feed store because we're going to need more supplies. We've, we've, we've just been racking up the farms definitely been a nice summer really has really has it's, it feels it feels good to work the land doesn't it yep well get out there a little exercise never hurt anybody absolutely not and i'm sure i can speak to that of course um so before we get rolling let's let's talk about well first of all i forget i, I was I'll re, i'm remiss to ask and i know this is a great two-week period for you being a tennis better what did you do yesterday? Did you do any good on the U.S. Open? I know you like to live bet some of that stuff. Tell me some victory stories. Well, I actually didn't do much tennis betting yesterday because I looked at the card and I thought, wow, there are a lot of really bad matches on TV. And I ended up not watching much. A couple of live bets I was tempted to make ended up missing my opportunity. But U.S. Open, it always ends up coming down to which player, and at least when I bet, is going to blow a multiple set lead. It's usually kind of how I look for the angle and the value. Had a couple more of those today. So if you faded guys that were up 2-0, you had, a, I believe it was three come from behind wins from 2-0 down uh, yesterday. So a couple of angles there to potentially make money. Outstanding. And you were on absolutely none of them. I was not on any of them yesterday, but I was on two of them the day prior. Okay. All right. So you've had a successful tournament so far. Yep. Any big shocks? Any Any upsets that are worth mentioning yet? Uh, not really. I can't say jump off the page. I know Fognini lost yesterday. Oh, but he's a lunatic as well. He's so I'm not hack. surprised that Fabio blew it, but no, really not anything crazy. Uh, the main guys have won. And that's kind of what the story is, at least through the first round. Fabio Fognini is his name. Yep. Italian guy. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> thanks. Captain obvious. Appreciate yep. the, uh, appreciate it right there. All right, Scott. Well, let's talk about some people that maybe didn't have such a fortunate time of it today. You know who you are. You thought you had a winner. You had it capped right. Everything was going swimmingly right up until the time that it wasn't. You got ripped off, man. And there's only one thing to do when you get ripped off, and that is indeed call the cops. All right, Scott. Well, let's see who our first nine one one call is for here. If you had the Marlins on the money line, man, that's a good call. Fading the Mets. Mets. All of a sudden, they're playing a little better baseball. But you know what? They had a nice advantage here today. Did the Marlins? And of course, they were leading five to one going into the ninth inning. You got the Mets. Thumbs down. Thumbs down to those Mets, Scott. Uh oh. Here come the Mets. They scored. How many runs? Five runs in the bottom of the ninth. The Mets walk it off. Six, five. Holy mackerel, big apple. The Mets, they're back, right? Well, the Braves had another tough injury yesterday with Albies, so we'll see what happens moving forward. Phillies, though, still winning. So suddenly the NLE's top couple of teams got a little bit hot recently. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a bit. Looking at the other call of the cops, you had the Yankees and the Angels, first five under five. No runs in the first three innings, four runs in the fourth, one run in the top of the fifth. So you're sweating out a push. Bases loaded, two outs. You just need one more out. And unfortunately for them, that did not happen as the Angels ended up scoring a couple more runs to send it over in the first five innings. Oof. Well, if you had the under in the Kansas City Cleveland contest, we say it a lot on this show. It's hard to go over. If only one team scored, and that was the case in this one, as the tribe led a seven zip after eight, or excuse me, after eight and a half innings. They go to the ninth, Kansas City. They have one man on who got there by way of a walk. They have two outs. Perez is up, looking to see if he can go six games in a row with the home run. He did not. They plunked teams. Got plunked, Sal Perez. A little bit of 
A little bit of shenanigans there down or up seven nothing, plunking the guy that's been hitting the homers, but I digress. So next up is, of course, Carlos Santana. You get a one-two count on Santana, two down, two strikes. All we need is a strike, just a lousy strike. No, nope, nope, nope. Santana, base hit. Here comes Andrew Benintendi. That's a double. Two runs ultimately score in the bottom of the ninth. No reason whatsoever for that as Cleveland wins 7-2 to two instead of 7 nothing. The only difference it made is if you had the under 8.5 because then you need to call the Cubs. And it's even a war speed because that means Sal Perez scored from second base on a base hit. Yes, that was uh, he was had to be had to be hoofing it there. That had to be a deep yeah. single. Is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All right. So the other side of that, these are the nice easy wins. This is the place that you want to be, Scott. You didn't have to sweat it. You didn't have to worry about it. All you could do was just sit there in the rocking chair, my friend. So the first one involved the Red Sox and the Rays. If you had the over nine, you had a one-one game after two. Then Tampa blew it open, scored six runs in the bottom of the third. Then each team scored in the sixth. You're keeping track. That's an over, and the game ended up ending eight to five Tampa. So if you had the over nine and you had a nice eight runs in the first three innings, that's pretty easy. Yeah, and you had a little, a little bit of a. I wouldn't call it a sweat, but you you might have felt a little heat coming on there as they didn't score any runs between the third and the sixth. You're like, oh my god, am I going to end up on call the cops? No, you were not. Uh, they were easily over in that one. And that was the case also in the Philadelphia-Washington game. If you had the over nine and a half there, they put up eight runs in the first five innings. And then the Phillies came out and played at a six spot in the sixth. That'll do, Pig. That game ended up 12 to six in favor of this surging Philadelphia Phillies. And if you want to look at the last rocking chair, you had another total between the Orioles and the Blue Jays. If you had the under 10, I don't know why you wouldn't have it. I mean, Aiken's on the mound. He was dealing last night. Dealing again. Two in a row, baby. Yeah, it was a very solid outing by both guys. Him and Ryu, one run through the first five innings combined. And then you ended up having a game end four to two. So a little bit more scoring going on in the second half of the game, but well below the 10. And that was a nice and easy winner. You know, if it comes down to the end of the season, Toronto maybe misses out on the wild card by a game or two. You think they might think of uh, scoring two runs against Keegan Aiken in that Baltimore bullpen? I think they would, but they're not going to be within a game of the wild cards, so it's not really going to matter. All right. Yeah, that's 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 almost certainly true. So, all right, Scott. Well, let's talk about it. Man, you know, we we try to avoid this subject when when as much as we can. But we're gonna we're gonna pretty well hammer it today. First of all, let's find out who's wearing the golden feed bag. Get ready to strap it on, boys, because we're getting ready to award the donkey of the day. All right, Scott. So this basically we had two choices for donkey of the day, and they both dealt with the same subject. We're gonna talk about the other one here in the news in just a bit. But tell us who the donkey of the day is, would you, sir? So the donkey that is going to be the MLB for their COVID procedure, either in game or before the game, or just the whole procedure in general, because of what happened in the Red Sox and Rays game. Now we talked about on the Rock share because Tampa won easily and the game went over, but there was a little bit of controversy going on mid-game because Xander Bogarts, who is the be- one of the best shortstops in the league, had to be pulled mid-game because he tested positive for COVID. Now, the reason why this is a little bit confusing is because he was hanging out with his teammates in the locker room before the game, batting practice, the entire game leading up to that point, and he's also, you know, high-fiving guys and sharing the baseball and doing everything with them the entire game. Yet Bogarts got pulled midway through and nothing happened to the other Red Sox players who were right next to him for the entire game. What would have, what would have been your your choice there, Scott? Just pull the whole team off? Well, that's the point is I don't know what you're supposed to do. The point is that the reason why it's donkey that is just because of pure inconsistency, where if you're a league that's trying to claim that, you know, you're protecting all the players and you're protecting everything through vaccines and stuff like that, but then one player tests positive mid-game, don't you kind of have to pull the entire team if you want to keep that same notion because everyone's close contact? 
Well, you certainly could, but you know, I've got an, another reason that they're donkey of the day. What kind of test comes back in the middle of the game? It's also a good point. I mean, okay, so maybe they maybe they gave him a rapid response test that showed positive. They wanted to give him the the other test that's a little more accurate that has a little more of a lag time. That so, happened in the World Series too, because Justin Turner tested positive. Right, and he came back out for the celebration. Right. So what you do is you pull him out for that. If your test results aren't back yet, if there's some kind of question, you pull him out of the game. You don't let him start. You don't let him get out there. You put him in quarantine. You let him sit in the locker room by himself or in an office or whatever until you get the test results back. How hard is this, MLB? So you're going with your pregame rant, which I think is accurate too. But my argument is if you're talking about how serious COVID is and you're trying to prevent it, isn't it a little hypocritical to pull the guy with the positive test, but then just to keep everyone who was in within close contact on the field for the rest of the game. Well, I'm, not, a little bit weird? I'm not so worried about the field. You know, you're, you're outside. Where was the game? Uh, the game was in Tropicana. Okay. So it was actually inside. So there's no it's in a dome technically. So there's, well, not even technically it's in an actual dome. My point yeah. is there's no, there's no wind. That's the, because if you want to be outside with COVID, it's usually pretty cool as long as you've got a little bit of a breeze that's dispersing the virus and it's not just able to hang in the air. Now, for the record, I'm not saying they should have officially pulled all the players, but what I am saying is that you need some form of consistency when it comes to how seriously you're going to treat this as an organiz- as a league. Wouldn't you agree with that? I would, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think without knowing more information about you know why the test came back in the middle, if we'd had a positive, we were waiting on the results of a second test or if it was inconclusive. I'm just, my whole point is why weren't the results known before that point? And, and, and if they weren't, if there was a question, then I'm with you. Why do you let him get close? Why, why is this even a thing? And if they're testing everybody and the tester results are somehow coming back in the middle of the game, that's ridiculous. That is absolutely yeah, that's ridiculous. Also fair. Just like you said, if he, you know they allow him to hang out in the locker room, be close there in the dugout, again, inside. MLB, um, I'm not even sure it's the first time, and I guarantee it won't be the last. Congratulations, because you, the entire organization, are our donkey of the day. All right. So, you know, that's, and again, we've, if you're not fired up yet about COVID and professional sports, hang in there. Cause we'll be right like, back. We'll be right back like, with you. I like how we had both angles about MLBs messing up. Yes. So they both applied for donkey of the day, but they didn't really overlap with each other. Right. You and I talked about this story before the show. We're like, okay, this is what we're going to go with for sure. And then we never, we never really talked about why I guess we just assumed it was for our reasons. And it was actually, Two reasons. So, double donkey of the day. Can we do that? The double yeah, donk. But both reasons are valid. Yes, absolutely. Oh no, we're both geniuses, it's, Scott. There's no question yeah, about it, that. All right. So, yeah. hey, let's talk about the uh, the odds makers once again having a drinking problem, Scott. And we might even see this again here later on in the show. But the odds makers yesterday, my goodness, Scott, they were they were drinking a bit, little little day drinking, my friend, because the odds makers they were drunk. All right, good grief. Now, you know, you and I, we're not geniuses in spite of what I just said. We're, we're not the smartest guys in the world, but you know what we do know? Matt Moore and Patrick Corbin are not good at baseball, okay? They're just not. So the Phillies Nationals had a total of nine and a half yesterday, Scott. Nine and a half. That seems a little low, doesn't it? It was even nine in some spots. So, yeah, both of these pitchers had six-plus ERAs, by the way. So it's not just... It's not just selective recall. We're like, oh, well, no, they're really actually pretty good. No, they're not. They're horrible. They're absolutely horrific. And as anyone might have suspected, uh, it went slightly over. It ended up 12 to 6, almost doubling up the number. Odds makers, what the hell? You guys, you're, are, you just, are you just giving money away? Is that the deal? You're just giving us a little bankroll to start the football season? Because if not, you guys are definitely drunk. I appreciated it. Yeah. Yeah, here's, here's some money. You guys want some money? Here's some money. Oh, there you go. Uh, all right, Scott. So, I don't know. I, I just, I just, I don't, sometimes I just don't understand it. I see, I see lines that just make no sense to me. And that was, and that was certainly one of them. Now, a lot of times you pounce. And you're like, oh my God, I am so smart. There's no way this game is going under. And of course it does. They go out there and pitch gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because I laid off of it, didn't take it as any kind of a premium or even a personal play. It was able to be executed exactly like you think it would be. 
By the way, I everybody, the Phillies, I had the Phillies team total over. No, play that I, aren't you? So. An all, aren't you an all star? Very good. Patting myself on the back. Very good. Uh, yeah. Of course, quick reminder, you guys, we are you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. All right. So, speaking of COVID, and when aren't we? The yesterday was cut down day in the NFL. Probably aware of that. Urban Meyer doing his first cut down day for the Jacksonville Jaguars and happened to mention that when he and the GM looked at the list of who to keep and who to cut, that the vaccination status, surprise, it was actually considered when they made those cuts, Scott. The National Football League Players Association, the NFLPA, if you will, who we considered mightily for donkey of the day, they didn't care for that. They didn't care for the vaccination status being considered. And it's they're, discrimination. They're opening an investigation, my friend. So a couple of questions here. First of all, in the way in the way Meyer couched it was exactly correct. It has nothing to do with the fact we don't like you because you didn't get vaccinated or you believe something that I don't believe. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with your availability. It has to do with the fact that the NFL has put out some pretty onerous rules if you don't happen to be vaccinated. And it's just a headache to have a non-vax player on your team. So we talked about it a lot, Scott, in the run-up to this day. If it was a question, if it came down to two players, if you're on the fence, who are you going to keep? You're going to keep the guy that's going to be available every game, or are you going to keep the guy where there's a question? Well, for the record, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there there were forfeits this year, correct? Yes. Yes. So then what are we talking about? We're talking Players association is causing an issue for no reason, claiming it's discrimination when it's not. If the point is you're trying to keep a product afloat in the middle of a hoping this isn't the case, but a pandemic part two electric boogaloo, then you're going to need to at least do whatever you can to make sure that doesn't happen. And for that case, you should incentivize people getting vaccinations if the league itself believes that that's going to prevent another outbreak. Right. Yeah, absolutely agree. And, you know, the, the league has incentivized players to get the vaccine pretty well. Now, I did see that 93 percent of the players were vaccinated, but that was before cut down day. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that number go up just a little bit. Now, just to make sure you agree, you agree with this, right? You agree that and make no mistake, they weren't the only team that factored vaccination status into that decision. Urban Meyer he said it publicly. Urban Meyer was probably inexperienced enough to say it publicly. And that was that's the problem. But believe you me, I think that decision was made based on vaccination status. I'm gonna go with roughly thirty two times yesterday. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. But you can you can make a case that some uh superstar players or at least starting quarterbacks haven't gotten it. I know Lamar Jackson hasn't gotten it. Kirk Cousins hasn't gotten it. And as far as I know, Cole Beasley still has not gotten it, of course, as the wide receiver. But everyone else, if you haven't heard of the guy, they're probably vaccinated because if they weren't, they probably would have been cut by now. Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. So speaking of cut down day, probably biggest surprise on the board, Scott, that would be who? I can't say it was a big surprise, but we got to talk about Cam Newton. You don't think that was a surprise? You don't think See, cutting him was a surprise? It was a surprise because Belichick, who had the worst clock management of any preseason coach I've ever seen in the final game of the preseason, came back to being a genius because he realized Cam Newton can't play, and he ended up cutting him. So I thought Mac Jones should have started. If you watched any Patriots preseason games, you would have also agreed that Cam Newton isn't good enough to play in the NFL anymore as a starting quarterback. Was I shocked he went through with it? Maybe, but I agree with the decision. I think Cam Newton is washed. I told you that a couple months ago. Okay, so cool story, bro. Who's the second-string quarterback for New England? Is it Brian Hoyer still? They've, they've only got one on their roster right now, and that's Jared Stidham, and he's hurt. So they, they ended up getting rid of Brian Hoyer? I'm, I'm looking at their depth chart right now, my friend. I thought Brian Hoyer was on the roster. I did too, but I was just, I wanted to see who they had listed as second. And the only other quarterback they have on there is Jared Stidham. Oh, they cut, they cut Hoyer too. 
Fantastic. Yeah, they cut it. Okay, they they cut. Enough. They cut him today. I. I so think... I wasn't aware they cut him too. No, I wasn't. Surprised. They me. kind of buried the lead on that one, didn't they? That part surprises me. I figured they would have kept Hoyer and cut Newton, but I guess they cut both. But at the end of the day, are they going to go into game day with one quarterback? No. You're going to sign another guy. You're going to end up trying to give him a brief crash course on the playbook in case something happens. Or maybe Stidham's hypothetically going to be back by then. Nobody really knows. I doubt it. He's on the pup list, so you wouldn't think so. Yeah, I'm assuming no. So based on that, yeah, Mac Jones is going to try not to die out there. I don't, I don't understand. So, you know, since That's we're the surprise, the surprise isn't Newton for me. The surprise is that they cut Newton and Hoyer. So here we go. What did it do to the price? Because as you know, being a sports betting show, like we are, we not only like to talk about the news, but we like to talk about how it affects the sports betting market. So what do you, what do we have on the, what, what, how'd that affect the futures play on the new England Patriots and how does it affect it for you personally? Well, week one, it seems like the line has shifted a little bit more in favor of Miami. As for the overall Super Bowl and for the win totals, seems kind of the same. I don't think it's really moved that much because I feel like most people would agree that even if Cam was starting in a hypothetical situation, I don't exactly think he's much of an upgrade over Jones in the first place. Would you agree with that? It's hard to say because I, I, you know, and I know Belichick based on the preseason and what we saw from Newton's current arm. Yeah, but here's the here's the problem though, and I'm I'm pretty sure Belichick knows it, and it's surprising you can't get a great read on a young quarterback in preseason. You know, That's fair. I mean, every once in a while you can. Russell Wilson was an exception when he when he played his way into the starting job after Seattle had just signed the. Uh, the cat from Green Bay. See, you're, see that's fair because you're talking about how what how well you can judge uh, Mac Jones being successful. Right. I'm judging it solely on how you can guarantee how unsuccessful Newton was going to be in the regular season because he couldn't throw in preseason. I would agree with that. If somebody if somebody's great in preseason, you haven't necessarily learned anything. If somebody sucks in preseason, they're probably going to suck. And it wasn't because of playbook or anything like that. He just doesn't have the arm talent anymore to throw the ball. No, Sorry. and just a, a just a quick recap of his year last year. He com- completed about 66% of his passes, 8 TDs, 10 interceptions, quarterback rating 82.9. And everybody says, yeah, but he adds the element of the running game. Well, well how many rushing touchdowns did he have? Uh, uh, what do you have, eight? That factors in. Well, does it? right now. Does it, the point is, his no, yards per carry wasn't great. No, his yards per carry, 4.3 yards per carry. And if you want to know how that compares to the running quarterbacks in the league, not well. Lamar Jackson, 6.3. Murray, 6.2. Hell, even Pat Mahomes, Scott, and not a guy that anybody would ever confuse with an actual running quarterback, averaged five yards a carry. So, you know, is is your quarterback a great short yardage guy? Okay, boy, that's really what you want out of a signal caller because there's no way you could get anybody else to do that job. I think the one, one thing that surprises me is how many people came to the defense of Newton over the course of the last couple of couple of hours, just because of people saying it's unfair, Newton's disrespected, all this stuff. Did you watch him last year? He was awful. Yeah. No, there's no I, I don't know if people can just say, well, you know, he was good in Carolina. And it's like, yeah, before the serious shoulder surgery. I don't know the correlation. Newton had 12 rushing touchdowns, by the way. 12? 12. Okay. 12. All so right. he's very, very good in short yardage situations. And that's basically it. Right. When it comes to throwing, he can't do it. Yeah, that's supposed to play quarterback. No, that means if you're great in short yardage, that means nothing to me. Just correct. It means you're good uh, on QB sneaks and some right. occasional sweeps. Right. Congratulations. But you saw what happened when they keyed on him at the goal line. Didn't go well. Yeah, you're talking about the Seattle game, of course. But what an, what an awful play call that was. It worked out great for me because I had Seattle plus seven. But the big surprise for me was just the general cutting of him and Hoyer because I figured they would have kept at least one quarterback they used during the preseason. Yeah. I mean, I get the fact you're keeping Jones, but unless Stidham, as you just said, is on the pup, so he's not going to be able to go. What was the point of having the two other quarterbacks play in the preseason? If you weren't going to keep any of them to back up your current starting quarterback. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, that's the surprise. It's I know the fact Newton got cut. I know we, I know we have to preface every statement with what a genius Belichick is. But at some point, Scott, does the genius start to wear off? 
You can ask the same thing with the Spurs with Popovich over the last couple of years. Right. Of course, it's different because it's kind of similar in both cases because the Spurs lost Kwai, who's a generational player, and you lost Brady, who's, of course, better in his respective sport. But the point is, is that Belichick without the superstar talent and Popovich without the superstar talent, the teams didn't make the playoffs last year. Not sure if that's a coincidence or not. So where do you, where do you anticipate happening for the uh, for the Patriots this year? You like them now? You you told me before the show that you think now you like them to make the playoffs. Is that right? I do. I think I think they're better with Mac Jones. So everything I said about you know Belichick, I was I was kind of being facetious, but I do think they're better with Mac Jones. I watched the preseason a decent amount with New England because they were very good. So I had some money on them in their games, and they did mostly well for me. But Mac Jones looked really good. And I'll tell you what what was the most impressive part of New England during the preseason, that defense. They got a lot of guys back from last year, whopped it out. That defense looked really, really good. I think they're I think they're gonna be an under machine. I agree. I think they're gonna be they're gonna have a good defense and they're gonna have a very poor offense. I think their offense could be okay, at least enough to swing field position, which is also why an issue with Newton, because you knew Newton who has no arm, can't really generate much, I'd say, of a threat on third and long. I think Mac Jones can make throws at this stage in his career that Cam Newton cannot at his stage in his career. I would agree as long as they uh, as long as long they give him time. As long as he... Yeah, they're going to treat uh, Mac Jones like rookie Brady. They'll have a running game heavy offense. They'll try to sprinkle in some play action. And they'll tell Mac Jones, don't throw a stupid pick. And they'll try to win games. All right. Well, we'll see how that goes. And which give me give me your give me your stat line prediction for Mac Jones. Uh, for seventeen games, I'll say twenty touchdowns. Actually, I actually think he's going to do pretty well limiting interceptions. I'll give him seven interceptions. I'll go twenty and seven. Okay. You? Right. How many yards? Uh, yards. I think I'll be light on yards because I do think they're going to try to ease him in. I'll go thirty-four hundred. Okay. Give him two hundred per game. All right, uh, 3,800, 21-13. Okay, so you think he'll throw more picks, but yeah. I think you'll agree with me about the game plan. It should be, don't screw this up, kid. Yes, I agree. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine Belichick giving him the Brady playbook on the first yeah. day. All right, very good. Yeah, all right, so we promised to talk a little college football, and we will, but before we get to actual game prediction, we got a game tonight, Scott. That's exciting. We're going to talk a little bit about... The Heisman Trophy. So, big favorite, Spencer Rattler. Now, you and I are on record. We're not. We we think he's a fine young man. I think he's a decent quarterback. I don't think he's this level, Scott. What am I missing? I think we're on the same page because I know we're on the same page. Okay. Now, one thing you also have to keep in mind is that you might be tempted to bet the favorites in some awards. The favorite doesn't win the Heisman Trophy that often, nope. at least in recent memory. It barely happens. So if you want to make an argument that he's the favorite for a reason, it might not be true based on recent history because the favorite usually doesn't fare too well in this award. No, in fact, uh, last year's winner, Devontae Smith, was 50-1 to 1, week 15, Scott. Yep. Could have got, got a pretty fair price on him. I think this field is wide open. You've got... You've got Spencer Rattler at plus five fifty. You got DJ Ugalele at uh, plus six hundred. Um, but you're looking at you're looking at all the uh, you're looking at all the the guys that are going to get a lot of airtime on uh, on TV. And and of course, next on the list would be Bryce Young, a guy taking over in Alabama. He's plus a thousand. Um, where do we go to get the value for you? Where do you, where do you who are you looking so, at here? Value is a little tricky. If I had to pick one favorite, quote unquote, that I like, I like Ugalele from Clemson. I see around plus 750 on DraftKings for that price. I watched him play last year. We all did, and he looked really good. And there, a decent amount of the receiving core is back. I know they lost Rodgers, but they are getting Ross back, who ended up missing all of last year because he opted out. Clemson, we know, has good weapons every single year. The ACC, we know, is a joke. And after the Georgia game, or even including the Georgia game. It's a primetime game, and it's the game of the week. If Ugalele leads his team to a win, he'll be in first place for the award voting after the first weekend, would you say? 
I would say he's the I would say he's the early leader for the award. No question about that. Hey, I'm gonna uh, on the other side. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna lay out my case for a couple of long shots here. We'll be back to talk about that in just a second. So Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you gonna finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was gonna finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax, but okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for winners and winers? What's winners and winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah. See, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean. And you just kind of, your eyes glaze over, but these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwinners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see, that wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them... Oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. Welcome back to the second half of Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. All right, Scott, now I am a Big 12 guy and I am perhaps a little biased towards the Big Big 12, but there's a couple of Big 12 guys here that actually, they've got, they've got about the same price. At BetMGM, they're both plus 6,600, a little, little worse at DraftKings and BetRivers, and that's the two cats from Iowa State. Now, of course, you always have to worry about players on the same team canceling each other out. But you've got you've got Brees Hall again plus 6600 and then you've got quarterback Brock Purdy also plus 6600 bet MGM a little better price on DraftKings and Bet Rivers. So, if you wanted to take a long shot at the beginning of the season, somebody that could break through onto the national stage if everything goes well, they could actually make the playoffs. You could do better. You could do worse than those two guys. Your thoughts? Yeah, Purdy was one name I was looking at for a hypothetical long shot. I think the issue that I have with him actually winning the award is I don't think Brock Purdy's that good. Ooh. So I do think Ooh, shots getting, fired. I can't even say it's shots fired because he's good enough to get Iowa State to the brink. But I think you'd agree with me. He has a couple of really brutal picks every now and then. I question the decision making and the accuracy a little bit. I love Brees Hall, who I think is a tremendous running back, but I do question if a running back is actually going to win this award. If you want to do a long shot, that, and if I had to pick one, since I did mention before, I'll mention it again, it is a Power 5 award. So if you want to make an argument for Dylan, for uh, Dylan Gabriel or any of these guys, they're not going to win. So I would just tell you to save your money. I am tempted, though, by Emory Jones from Florida. Now, of course, Florida would need to go on a serious run, make a deep, I'd say, performance. I don't want to say the SEC title game, but they would need to do well in the conference. We saw what Kyle Trask did last year. Do you think Kyle Trask is an insanely talented quarterback? Well, I know you and I had a little difference of opinion on Kyle Trask. But the point is that you liked him and you thought that he was a great fit for the system. Is that fair? Yes. I thought, And I thought he was a guy that would stick on a roster in the NFL. Correct. So you can make an argument that Emory Jones is, I would say, slightly more talented, hypothetically, because he brings in the mobile aspect to it. 
where I know Matt Trask was a little bit mobile. Emory Jones is mobile. Like he can run. Yeah. And I think that he's also good enough to throw. Now, of course you lose some weapons, pits is in there. You lose a couple of wide receivers, but if we're talking about the sec where the bottom of that conference is atrocious defensively, and we know that Florida plays up tempo and they score a bunch of points. I think Emory Jones could have a shot. If you're looking for a serious long shot that could put up some really gaudy numbers by the year's end. I don't know what price you have on BetMGM for Emory Jones. I see DraftKings has about 40 to 1. Do you have a price there for BetMGM? I've got got 50 to 1 on Emory Jones. I don't know what your thoughts are on him. Once again, it's a long shot who might not have a shot of actually winning it. But if you're going to throw a sprinkle around on a guy in a good offensive system who could put up a bunch of numbers, I think Emory Jones checks a lot of those boxes. Well, we'll see because Florida lost a lot of weapons and Florida doesn't dodge any of the big boys this year. Of course they have Georgia on their schedule every year, but they've got, they've got Alabama on the crossover. So they're going to have to, they're going to have to face the tide there early in the season. But the question, how bad is that though? Because that does mean you have a lot of games on national television. You're right. You're right. That's the, that's the, and it's going to be on, that's the two, that's the, uh, the three thirty PM Eastern time game. There's going to be national TV on CBS. Um, it might not be a bad sprinkle. If you, if you wanted to, if you wanted to make a bet on that game and you did, and you, you didn't feel good about taking Florida, take Emory Jones to win the Heisman because you're going to get a good price right before that game. And if they go, Florida if, can lose the game anyway, but if, if Jones goes for like 300 something yards and like four touchdowns, he might do enough to move his odds down in the Heisman while Florida gets destroyed. Now, on the break, uh, between the segments, we talked a little bit about Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati. And, of course, the guy that the kid that I really like that I fell in love with last year, Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina. Probably my two favorite group of five quarterbacks, but I think you and I both agree begrudgingly that they really have no shot. And it's a shame. Uh, I think I think Ritter's got a, a better I think shot. If you want to, yeah. If you, Better shot than Grayson McCall has. I was going to say, if you want another guy who's in that group, but technically they're an independent, Malik Willis at eighty to one for Liberty. Yeah, I think he's a tremendous talent. I think he'll he might go top ten in the NFL draft. So if you want to go for a guy who you think is insanely talented, dual threat, and you know that he's on a very good offensive team with Hugh Freeze calling all the plays and everything like that, he's got the talent. The only thing is, would the committee, who have a bunch of let's just say older voters vote for the independent schools quarterback from Liberty. Now I, I, I just want to put a pin in this. I want to, I want to mark this recording because you've just made the prediction that Malik Willis, the quarterback of Liberty will go top 10 in the NFL draft. I'm saying, according to projections, I believe I saw that from McShay. He had Willis as a top 10 guy. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's not for me directly. I think he could go there once again, though. I remember, seeing that somewhere I believe it was McShay who said that Willis would potentially go top 10 it's the Lamar Jackson Kyler Murray flavor of the month kind of thing oh we Could all be. now we need dual threat quarterback so Lamar won the Heisman just saying I understand I understand all right very good any any final thoughts on the Heisman before we move along uh for the for the award itself I think it's the most overrated award in sports but that doesn't have to do with anything making money what do, what does that mean I just think that what kind of bomb is that to throw for your outline? I just think it's a popularity contest where the player wins the award is not guaranteed to succeed at the next level. Oh, that's yeah, that's very true. So it's just a matter of if you want to talk about the media. It's not most likely to succeed. It's who had the best college season. It's true, but you'd also agree that the voters tend to not exactly watch all of the teams involved during the college season. Would I agree with that? You do you think that's true? I think it is. Okay. You think they're staying up to watch the Pac-12 games finish at 1 a.m.? No chance. You don't. Yeah, that's your job. No, no chance. If that was the case, McCaffrey would have won a couple years ago. Okay. McCaffrey 100% deserved that Heisman. Spencer, 100%. wasn't Sp- even close. Spencer Rattler going to win it, Scott? Is, at the end of the day, is it just going to be Spencer Rattler? No. We no! said the favorite never wins the award, no. so no. No, we're not picking not. him. No, I agree. I I'd rather have Grayson McCall than Spencer Rattler. Hot take. I Sorry. think Ugo Lele is going to be in the top three with a couple of weeks to go. Okay. Do you agree with that? Uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm. That ACC defense and schedule, though, are so bad. You know, he's going to have a field day. Talk to me after week one. Okay. Talk to me okay. after after Georgia defense. If he, okay. if we'll he, see. if he shreds the Georgia defense for 300 yards passing, then. I think you might have. Yeah, I think you might have. You a, think three hundred and two passing touchdowns is good enough? Yep. 
Yep, I don't think it's I don't think it's good enough to boost him to the top of the list, but I, it's not going to beat him. Like we talked about it before, you can't win the Heisman in September, but you can certainly lose it. Yep. All right, very good. Hey, and I, I, as I mentioned, Scott, we have an actual college football game here tonight on Wednesday night hump day. Now I hope it's between two FBS teams. Eh, we're halfway there. We're, okay, we're halfway there. We're halfway there. Uh, living on a prayer. It is going to be the UAB Blazers against the Jacksonville State. Do you know, Scott? Uh, Jacksonville State Gamecocks. Don't, don't look at it. Don't look over there. No, it's Gamecocks, isn't it? The Gamecocks, yes. Let's go. Jacksonville State is located where? Um, trick question. I'm Florida, but it's a trick question. It is a trick question, yes. I have no idea. If I said this was the preseason battle of Alabama, would that be a clue? I would have guessed Alabama just yeah. because I figured it'd be a local thing, which is why the which is why they're playing against each other. But I would not have known that before the matchup. No, I actually had to look it up as well. They are they are located in the Talladega National Forest, about twenty miles from Talladega. So okay, they are in the, the eastern part of Alabama, pretty close to like Rome, Georgia, a couple maybe eighty miles from Atlanta, that kind of thing. So. I don't know. Um, I'll let I'll let you go first. This this is going to be kind of an interesting game because Jacksonville State they played a lot of football the last year, Scott. Where a lot of teams took the year off, or maybe a lot of people did on the team. Jacksonville State they not only played last fall, they played this spring too. They said, "Hey, give us some more football." So they played kind of a uh, kind of a truncated schedule in uh, in in the fall where they ended up uh, beating FIU, which, again, FIU, we're not going to make a case about how great they are. What percentage of that program had COVID? Was it 98% or was it 99%? Of FIU? Yeah, the, well, whole, it was, the it whole team had COVID. It was the last game. It was the last players. game of the season. So yeah, they were using it, practice squad players the entire season. It wasn't as bad. It wasn't, it wasn't as bad as it had been. But, okay, it wasn't good. No, I, okay. but I, I, get, I get your point. And, you know, this UAB team, one thing they were known for last year was, of course, their defense. They had a very, very fine defense. Decent offense, but they've lost some skill position players, Scott. They've lost their starting running back. They've lost their top two wide receivers. Got some transfers coming in, but, you know, I think it's going to take a minute for this team to gel. What do you, how do you see this one going? Yeah, just steal all my key points. I like the under. By the, by the way, uh, the, the number on that is 16 and the total has risen from about forty six and a half or forty seven all the way up to fifty. So, you're gonna you're gonna fade the public. I see fifty one and a half actually. Fifty. It just keeps climbing. Keeps climbing. I like the under. Uh, the main reason why is because of the fact that you mentioned all the turnover for the team. I think UAB is gonna score their points because they have the better athletes and the system's still been successful over the last couple of years. But if there's one thing UAB loves to do, it's not throw the ball. They love to run. So I see a lot of running clock and Jackson, Jacksonville State, we can talk about how this team brings a lot of talent back and how the offense might look a little bit comfortable because of chemistry. Talent-wise, this UAB defense is really good. And that's kind of been calling card for the last couple of years. I think Jacksonville State can move the ball. They don't exactly play the most up-tempo style either. They're not slow, but they play. They, they're willing to drain some clock to some degree. I think you'll see a lower scoring game. I think there's a reason why it opened up in the 40s. I think people are betting the over because they think UAB is going to smack them and score 40-something points. I don't see that happening. I think UAB is going to win. I think it'll be very close to the spread, but I could see a game that's somewhere around 31 to 14, give or take. Okay. All right. And that's going to put it at that's going to put it at 45. Now, this is a the Jacksonville State team that averages about 21 points per game against their uh, their uh, um, their brethren in the upper division, they tend to play they tend to play pretty good. In fact, they were you know they were ahead of Florida State last year they, at halftime. They had a lead about half, about halfway through the third quarter, and just kind of ran out of gas down the down the stretch. Still didn't still didn't uh, they still able to beat the number, and for all the things that they do well. You know, this is a UAB team that doesn't cover big numbers well. They were they were one in three last year against double digit spreads. Uh, I don't know. I'm anxious. I'm anxious to see this game because you know you talk about the great UAB defense and they do return nine starters, but 
Uh, they lost their most important starter, and that's the, uh, the edge rusher Jordan Smith, who went in the fourth round to the Jaguars, so he's definitely not going to be back. Um, I, I'm, I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I probably am a little higher on the FCS school than you are. I, I think that the it's fact... It's be close to the spread. I'm just looking at the total. Okay. All right. All right. Um, Do you have any thoughts on over-under? Because I think you'd probably agree with me UAB might reach 30. That wouldn't surprise me, but they're going to eat up a lot of clock doing it. Yeah, I you know I agree, and they, they do have a, a hellaciously good offensive line, and yeah, they average why they're going to score, but they might get a couple of, I'd say, long sustaining, time eating drives. Yeah, they and they were they were able to average over two hundred yards per a game for rushing last year. Um, I, I get the I get the the logic in that. I just think that both of these teams are going to have a fair amount of success. Jacksonville State is a pretty balanced attack. So, you know, we'll we'll see. I would probably, man, I got to I got to admit when I saw 46 and a half, 47, I liked the over. I think all the over value is out of there at 51 at 51 and a half. I don't I don't That's like, also why I like it. I, I feel like you're that. getting value cuz you gained about five and a half points just by waiting on. And it. let's be honest, you're fading the public, Scott, and that's I wouldn't ta- I wouldn't take it right now. I'd wait till right before kickoff. It already went up 5 points. I don't know why the public would suddenly start bending the under. Yeah, unless you start unless you start seeing some kind of bad weather forecast, which I have to check that cuz I know they're kind of I don't know. Are they in the peripheral path there, or is that kind of stay? Is is Ida kind of staying north and headed towards you guys? Since the total went up five points, I'm assuming it's out of the path of the tropical. Yeah, I think, and I think, I think that's right. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's that doesn't seem like people are counting on any kind of bad weather to happen for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really stuck. You on, score prediction. I'm gonna, I'll lean over. I'm going to say, I will say, I will say, thirty-one twenty-one UAB. Okay, so you're saying it barely goes over. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Fine. I think it. I think that is a pretty sharp number right now, around fifty-one or so. I don't. I don't want to get involved. Um, I may be like you. I may be watching and see if, if we can, you know, get two or two more points out of it during I'll the look day. Look for an in-play as during well during the day, and and look for an in-play. Yeah, we're going to yeah. learn a lot. I think about this game, probably in the first two drives for each squad, and there should be definitely be on, definitely be on your toes, gang. Because there should be some good opportunities for in-game betting. So, and, and one other thing to quickly mention about in-game betting, people always keep in mind the skill positions and the quarterbacks. Look at the trenches. Yeah, because UAB's offensive line should have a field day <laughs> in the upcoming game. I think you might agree. There's going to be some running holes. They are going to. There are going to be some holes. I again, this is, but this is a good Jacksonville State defense. I I don't think they're just going to run up and down the field against them. So well, you mentioned missing the pass rusher for UAB. I'm saying that if UAB on the other end could also generate pressure against the Jacksonville State offensive line, this game could get ugly. So keep an eye on the trenches. Agreed. Agreed. Completely agreed. All right. Quick reminder, everybody. You are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Mm, give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. We just laid out a case for a winner in that game. I'm sorry. I was, I was so wishy-washy um, about that. I do, I do have a premium play, so I'm kind of staying away from the side and you know, I'm like you are sometimes that total just seems like right on the number. So I just kind of want to see what that and probably play that one in. Game. I can't chase steam. That's five points. I no, no, that's, that's a good way to go broke. So yeah, that's, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good sports betting tip. If we have any novices out there, and you see the lines move, oh, I better jump on the train. Mm, the train's left the station, kids. Time to jump on that you train. Can, Would have been two days if you ago. Things gonna keep going up. I just don't know how high you think it's gonna go. Nah, we're we're close. To, we're close to terminal velocity. I I think if it gets to fifty three, that would be a ton. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, very good. All right, so today, of course, it is uh, it is hump day, and that means. Uh, a few getaway games, Scott, but it's not it's not a bad card. In fact, we've got just what do we got? Just a, two afternoon games, three afternoon games. Yeah, not not a not a bad card at all. We got of course we got a couple double headers going on. So, hmm, what do you like there, my friend? Well, looking at the overall card, I got to be tempted by the Yankees on the run line with Cole on the mound. I know the Yankees have been struggling so far in Los Angeles, but you have Garrett Cole, who's been great. Uh, he's against a guy named uh, Naughton. Panaughton. Uh, who I'm sure most people haven't heard of. Packy. But Yankees on the run line, I know it's about minus 150 or so, but I am tempted by the Angels team total under yeah. in this 
spot. Yankees are going to need a big performance. I think Cole's going to deliver last month, 0.51 ERA. Total's eight and a half. I don't hate the under there, but I do kind of like the first five under because the Yankees hitting wise have not looked good over the last couple of days since the streak ended against the last couple games in Oakland. They struggled. They were good in the opener, but lost anyway, and then did not really look sharp offensively yesterday. I'm assuming we would agree Colt's probably going to pitch well tomorrow. So I'm looking at the first five under. Yeah, I think I think that's good. Um, I'm just not sure the Yankees could absolutely just light this kid up. This this packing. They could. I don't just. I don't want I don't I don't want any play that involves fading the Yankees offense at this point against Naughton. I'll take okay. I'll take any of your team total unders or 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 Yankees run line any of that kind of stuff. But um, you know, and I think we're, you're going to get a juice three and a half for a team total there. So. Um, all right. So freed against Scherzer, Scott, possible playoff preview there as Atlanta finishes up, uh, their series with the Dodgers. Both of these pitchers have been very good lately. The number on this is, is seven and a half and that's down from eight and it's pretty much stayed the same Dodgers minus one eighty-five, And that's where it opened up. That's pretty much where it sits. What do you like there, buddy? So in this one, I'm tempted by the Dodgers. We talked about how good Freed was in the month of August, and then his last start against the Giants didn't go too well. They won the game anyway, but it didn't go too well. Scherzer on the Dodgers has been so damn good. <laughs> There's really no other way to put it. Yeah. I said yesterday I like the Dodgers on the money line, even though with Bueller on the mound, the value was like minus 170, and I don't really like laying juice that heavily. I can't take the Braves here, especially if Albie's going to be missing significant time. Right. I got to go. I got to go with the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. The, the one thing we're for certain we're going to see, Scott, we're going to see Max effort here. Yep. Well played. <laughs> Thank nice. you very much. His Max Freed and Max Scherzer go at it. Yeah, you are uh, you are absolutely on the nose about Scherzer since he's come over from the Dodgers. He was having a fine season with the Nats, but he's really cranked it up a notch. Five starts, 1.55 ERA, 0.83 a whip. Dodgers 5-0 and in his starts, and they've won four of the five by two runs or more. And Max Freed uh, kind of uh, got off to a good start and then kind of chunked it in the middle, and he's been very good lately. Over his six, la- over his last six, 1.58 ERA, 0.85 whip. So should be a, should be a fun game here. I think there might be a little value on the Braves. That's there right. might be. I'm just taking the Dodgers. Okay. All right. Good enough. You want him on the you want him on the run line? I'm just gonna take him on the money line. All right. You're just Until gonna... Scherzer struggles, I'm gonna back Scherzer. You're just gonna lay, take. lay the wood. I did yesterday. Okay. Look decently. All right, fair enough. Hey buddy, it's Matt Harvey Day. It's Matt Harvey Day in Toronto as the Toronto Blue Jays opened up minus two fifty five. And that's pretty much where it sits. It's starting to creep up unless you go to DraftKings, minus two seventy five. So, quick reminder, if you're thinking about betting the Baltimore Orioles, DraftKings would be your spot there. Uh, 10 is the total, and just a little bit to the over in most spots. What do you got here, man? I don't have really much. Baltimore jumped up and bit them yesterday. They bit them yesterday, and I know that you might be tempted to automatically fade Baltimore. I can't lay 270 with Steven Matz. No, I I know that Harvey's been bad this year, and that's not a secret. And the one month he had of uh, the found youth has vanished. But at the end of the day, can I really take the Blue Jays minus two seventy five with Matt? I I just can't do it. I I don't know what I'm going to pick in this game. I got nothing. Okay, you- all right. You know it's it's really hard for me to to lay money with Matt to to lay that kind of money. You know, you're talking about. 265 270 i'd prefer to play maybe toronto team total over that's what i was looking five, at potentially maybe even uh, five and a half seriously juiced over if you can find that you might five and a half minus 140 wait um, you mean the blue jays i mean the blue jays sorry yeah, you said the orioles that's why yeah, I, no, I got no. confused i thought you were gonna say the orioles i kind of like that angle no if you want to end up fading mats and you think you can get a team total yeah. of around three and a half minus 110 on bet mgm i don't hate that with nine guaranteed at bats you can get three and a half at minus 110 three and a half minus 110 so then what do you got what do you got on the toronto you got six and a half toronto i see five and a half 140 six and a half plus 110 okay so i call i called it pretty well there 
yeah. But I'm looking at the over for three and a half for Baltimore. I don't hate if that. you want to take hold your nose and make a play, Baltimore plus two and a half, so minus 120 on BetMGM. Mm. I don't hate that. But team total over three and a half, I'm tempted by. All right. Very good, my friend. And that'll uh, pretty much wrap it up for just about everything on the show, Scott. We just have one thing to uh, to talk about here real quick. And it is that time where we put our heads together and we come up with our very best play. And so far, Scott, we've been, uh, we've been doing okay, folks. But once again, it's time to put on those overalls. Doff your straw cap, climb up aboard your John Deere tractor, fire that bad boy up, kids. Get ready for Bet the Farm! Scott, how'd we do yesterday? We had the Cleveland Indians over three and a half runs, and they scored a lot more than three and a half runs. Yeehaw! Reminds me of going to Shakey's in my youth. Did you ever go to Shakey's, Scott? No. I don't know if that was around in my time. Good time. Good time. Pizza parlor. All right. So what do we got cooked up for today, my young friend? So we're going to be sticking with team totals. We like the Phillies team total over four and a half at minus 120 on bet MGM. Phillies offense been really good lately. Phillies have scored at least seven runs in each of their last six games. The Phillies have also scored at least five runs in each of the last seven meetings. So the Nationals can't get an out whenever they face this team. The Nationals have allowed at least five runs in five of their last six games. And Espino is on the mound for Washington. He's faced the Phillies four times this season, mostly out of the bullpen, nine innings pitched, eight ERA. And we already know how bad the Nationals bullpen is. We think the Phillies keep it going offensively. Four and a half against this team, way too low. We like the Phillies to score at least five. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, this is a Phillies team that, Dare I say it, Scott? I don't. I don't want to jinx them too much, but are they are they getting hot all of a sudden? They're on a heater. Philly makes the playoffs. Uh no, but I think it'll be close. Okay, and who's who's their competition? You think the, you think the uh, Braves, I'm still going with Atlanta. You think the Braves are able to hold on? Yeah, barely. Okay. But I think they'll hold on. Okay, well, because I've you know I've got my futures ticket on them, so yeah, this is a Phillies team that's uh, won five straight, and Scott, they have scored. Uh, seven or more in their last six games. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, I, I said that. Oh, okay. I'm just reiter- yeah. I'm just reiterating what you said. It's that big of a fact that we had to repeat it. The fact's so nice, they said it twice, everybody. Hey, you know what? You did a great job. Just take, take the Phillies team total over four and a half. That's going to be our bet the farm play, everybody. Guys, thanks for checking us out on Hump Day. Appreciate you stopping by, of course. Thanks for the listens. Thanks for the views on the YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to drop us a comment. Let us know what you're on today. You got any good Heisman Trophy winners, anything like that. Of course, if you want to get us early, you can check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Google Play, Spotify, and Anchor. But for myself and for Scott Reichel, for the whole team over here at Winners and Winers Radio, that's going to do it for today. You guys have a wonderful day. Good luck on all of your plays. We'll be right back here tomorrow and do it one more time on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.